and welcome to the Educate Your Travel podcast. Once again, my name is Jordan Carnes. Thank you so much for joining me today. I cannot wait to get into this episode. Hopefully just invigorate you, get you excited about getting up, getting out, and traveling, exploring, and experiencing the world. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and quit talking so I can keep talking, and let's get into the episode. And welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. You know, I've been really excited about today's podcast for a while, and really it's because it's sort of the beginning of, you know, this little short series I'm going to do about my backpacking trip to Asia. So I'm really excited to kind of just dive into this and sort of sort of share uh, all the experiences I've had and things that I picked up along the way. You know, if there are a few different things that I could recommend to everyone, the first thing would be to take a solo trip, whether it's a weekend trip to another state uh, or even a week-long trip to a different country. I feel like there's a lot that you can gain, you know, knowledge about yourself, knowledge about different, you know, atmospheres and cultures simply by going solo and seeing what you can accomplish and conquer on your own without relying on someone else. Um, or, you know, what others can do for you. You're really just relying on yourself and seeing what you can do on your own. I would also always recommend taking a backpacking trip. And, you know, this doesn't always have to be months at a time. This could be two weeks, just you in a backpack in a different country. Uh, There's so much that you can experience in an extended stay like that. And just really being minimalistic without having huge suitcases and luggage and things like that is an amazing experience and you know if you can wrap those two things into a solo backpacking trip even better so i'm really excited to jump into this um, little series here and you know this is mainly going to be about southeast asia simply because that's what i've what i've done um and you know hopefully some of this you can kind of relate to maybe a backpacking trip to europe or south america but some of it might just not apply so keep that in mind as you're listening today to kind of glean what you can from it. But if you're looking to go someplace else besides Asia, it might not apply specifically to what you're looking for um, out of this podcast. Now, I will admit that, you know, I am not an authority whatsoever on this topic. There are people who have backpacked for months and months and even years. Um, And I've only, you know, I backpacked for two months um, in Asia uh, two summers ago. So I definitely do not know everything. And there are so many different ways that you can backpack a country or even a region or a continent. And so, you know, there are a few different ways. The first way is just to choose one destination. And so, you know, I met several people who had been in one country for months and months at a time and just really dug deep into that country, into the culture and everything that country has to offer. And that's amazing. You know, if you have um, if you are just that devoted to explore every little niche and cranny of one location, that is awesome. Um, you know, there's also where you take a whole region. So that could be like South Southeast Asia. Um, so it could be like Indonesia and Cambodia and Malaysia and all those countries down there together. Um, or it could also be where you kind of just, you have no time restraints whatsoever you have no responsibilities back home, and you can just stay in that country as long as you want. Um, I met several people who had been traveling for over a year 
Um, and so, you know, they kind of just stay in a country for a, a couple months and then their visa is about to expire or, you know, they see a cheap bus ticket somewhere. And so they just, they take it and they go just wherever, you know, their experiences and whatever comes along their way leads them to. And so that's awesome as well. Um, that's a very, you know, special type of person who can travel for years at a time and who doesn't have, you know, those restraints holding them back um, to be able to do that. Now, the way I did my trip was more of an itinerary based where I literally had pretty much everything planned out before I went. I spent um, pretty close to a year, if not more than a year, planning for my backpacking trip. And, you know, I had every hostel booked, I had every plane ticket booked, I had every train ticket and bus ticket paid for. Um, and, you know, I knew what I was going to do pretty much every single day uh, on that eight week long trip. Now, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't want to do that. They usually go backpacking to be more flexible. But for me, I do have those time restraints and there were certain things that I wanted to do, wanted to see, wanted to experience. And so to make sure that I got all those things done, I had to, you know, itinerize everything and make sure that I had it written down and planned, you know, pretty, pretty tightly uh, to make sure it all worked out. Now, I, I don't even know if I would recommend this way. It was a great opportunity to get a good overview of Southeast Asia. There were several places that I, you know, could have stayed longer in. And so, you know, that really just gave me an idea of, hey, you know, if I have the opportunity now, I know places that I want to return to and can spend more time there. And, you know, some places I was good after two or three days. You know, I had experienced what I wanted to experience there. And if I didn't go back, that was fine. I had gotten a taste of it. I had seen what I wanted to see and I was good. So it was a great overview of the of the area. Um, I did move really fast. I, you know, I went to about two different countries a week, um, except for a two-week stint I had in Nepal. So very fast-paced, um, and I know a lot of people probably would not have that sort of trip in mind when they start planning a backpacking trip. Um, but that's the way, you know, I was able to do what I wanted to do and get out of the trip for what I wanted to get out of it. Now, with that being said, my first my first tip kind of goes against sort of maybe what you're thinking I did on my trip, but you should be flexible. And being flexible doesn't always mean that you just stay in a country for months at a time until a bus ticket takes you somewhere else. You know, it could be planning, you know, a free day in a city. And so, you know, you don't really have anything planned and you can just explore the city, um, take that alleyway to wherever market it takes you to, um, and kind of just explore. I had multiple times, you know, I've tried to have flexible time within every country where I could just explore. And if there were things that I hadn't really planned for, but I ran across, I was able to add that to my list. And that free time gave me the ability to accomplish those new um, activities that I might not have planned for earlier. Now, just like the types of backpacking trips you can take, there's different you know, there's fluctuations in the flexibility that you can have um, while you're on your trip. Um, you know, you can have the flexibility where nothing is planned, so you can just do whatever you want. Or I would say the bare minimum flexibility is to have checkpoints. So, you know, you might have a bus ticket booked for next Friday. And so if you're in Vietnam, you have a whole week to go wherever you want in Vietnam. You just have to be back in, say, Hanoi by Friday to catch a bus. 
Um, just little checkpoints throughout your trip to make sure you're staying on track. But within that trip, you have the flexibility to go to different cities to do different activities and experience different things along the way. Now, one thing I would recommend that is more rigid is to have your first night booked in a location. Um, I met people who would just show up in a city with nothing booked whatsoever and would just start looking around for hostels. And that is not something that I would want to do simply because I want to have that assurance that no matter no matter what happens, no matter what time I get into a location, I'm going to have a place to sleep that night. Um, I, I was a lot more rigid with the fact that I had every single night booked on my trip. And if I did it again, I probably wouldn't do that. I would probably book the first night and then after that, maybe book a new place or book the same place again. Um, but just knowing that I had that assurance that I had a place to sleep that night uh, was really important to me. So I would recommend booking the first night and then especially if you're in a destination for a long time, you know, that second day you can walk around, try and find a new place to stay. Or if you really liked your first hostel or hotel, then you can book there again. There's really not a shortage of places to stay, especially in Southeast Asia. There's hostels on every corner. Um, and so you're really not going to run into um, the problem of not having a hotel or all the rooms being booked up. You're not really going to run into that issue. Um, so on that same topic between hostels and hotels, I definitely suggest that you stay in a hostel. You know, there's multiple reason I, reasons I would recommend it. The first one is they are super cheap. I mean, there were multiple times where I would stay in a hostel for one or two dollars a night. Sometimes you'd even get free breakfast and you really just can't beat that. There were only a few times where I didn't have a good stay at a hostel. Um, I remember in Hanoi, Vietnam, my hostel I stayed at was maybe like a dollar a night and I literally slept on like a one inch foam mattress and it was like packing foam. It wasn't even real like nice foam. So that was a terrible night's sleep. Definitely you could tell it was a dollar a night hostel. Um, but that's one of those scenarios where I only stayed there one night, but if I'd stayed there multiple and I had booked that for multiple days, that would have really sucked. Um, so, you know, I would have stayed there that night and then gone and found someplace else the next night um, to stay. So, you know, hostels are not only great for how cheap they are, but, you know, you're able to make a lot of friends. And especially early on in your backpacking trip, I found it really awesome to talk to people who've been backpacking for maybe a few months already. And a lot of times, you know, there are certain routes that people take and more than likely someone will have already been to where you're going. And so you can either talk to them about where should I go, they can give you ideas of places to visit in that new country, or you know, they might be able to just give you tips and hints of how to be successful at whatever you were already planning. So whether it's recommending to get a tuk-tuk driver to take you around a core Wat, or how to get to Baitao Mountain and Halong Bay, just things like that, little tips that you can just pick up um, and hold on to along your trip, um, they're invaluable. And you know, just being able to swap stories, play games at night, things like that are really fun. And especially when you're solo, you know, backpacking, it, it's one thing to just be on your own to experience it, but you know, you do kind of miss other people, especially when you're in other countries where they might not speak English that often. And so being able to spend the night at a hostel where you can conversate and talk and visit 
um, and spend time with other people uh, is, is great, especially on a solo backpacking trip. Now, I do recommend every once in a while, get a solo room. Hostels have solo rooms that you can you know, book for a few extra dollars a night or stay in a hotel. Um, after you know a couple of weeks or a few months on your trip, you are going to kind of be fed up with having to share a room with 10, 12 people, um, especially if they're turning lights on in the middle of the night or just being loud, um, just different reasons that spending a night in a solo room is just a breath of fresh air. There were multiple times where I was kind of sick and tired of staying in a hostel just because you didn't ever really have any privacy. Um, and so being able to have that solo room or sometimes if a, a hostel isn't totally booked up, they'll put you in a private room for free. Um, those were always just reinvigorating you to um, kind of just refresh you to have more energy to do your travels. Um, and so, you know, if that doesn't happen where you just, you know, luckily get a, a free solo room, um, don't be afraid to spend a little extra every once in a while to get a solo room. I def definitely think it'll help you out and help you, um, you know, keep going on your trip and having the same energy and enthusiasm as you did at the beginning of your trip. Now, a few other things I would recommend or actually suggest is the different types of transportation. Um, obviously, there are buses, there are planes, there's trains, um, and then there's private transfers. Um, each of these have their benefits and also their downfalls. Um, I, you know, I was on a really strict time budget, and so I took planes everywhere. And, you know, I was probably not the most frugal backpacker. Uh, I'll definitely say that. I probably spent, you know, an extra thousand dollars on my trip just because I did fly everywhere. Um, I think I had like maybe 20 something flights in my backpacking route. Um, simply because, you know, I would fly from um, Thailand to Cambodia. Uh, and the reason why is because I was on that tight time schedule and I could get a flight that, you know, would take an hour and cost me $30. And I would much rather do that instead of spending $5 and taking an 18-hour bus trip. So it really just, the time savings outweighed the monetary savings for me. Um, but, you know, I met people who took those bus trips, and if you're doing some hardcore backpacking where you're saving every single penny, um, you know, you might have to do that. I remember when I was in Kathmandu, uh, I met a guy who had taken a, like, 20-hour bus ride from Delhi to Kathmandu, and it had cost him only a couple dollars, but I had made the exact same flight, you know, for, like, $30, uh, and it had taken me like 45 minutes. So, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, it's it's going to save you money, obviously, but it might not necessarily be the best option for you. Um, for this guy, you know, if he was traveling for a long amount of time, that $15, you know, we were staying in a dollar hostel in Nepal. So that was like two weeks worth of hostel um, money right there. So it, once again, just goes back to the type of backpacking trip that you're trying to have. And if you're really penny pinching and trying to save as much money as possible, or you know, if you're just trying to spend a lot of time um, in a location and you're not too worried about spending an extra $20 to save you, you know, 15, 16 hours um, of transit time. Now, I did take a couple buses within countries. 
I took a bus from Hanoi to Halong Bay, and let me tell you, that was an experience. Um, it was very cheap, and it was supposed to be like a three-hour bus ride, um, but these buses, they would stop every two or three minutes to see if the people on the side of the road wanted a ride, and so that three-hour bus ride took about six hours. Um, and you try and go to sleep, and the guy is honking his horn every 30 seconds. So, you know, <laughs> that was a Vietnam bus experience, and I know there are sleeper buses and things like that that are very comfortable, um, and would be worth the time spent on them, um, but buses are definitely a crazy experience. And probably my least favorite form of public transit, simply because of how difficult I find them um, to figure out. Uh, especially if there's no English, uh, you know, you're you're usually having to change buses, figure out which bus you're supposed to get on. And it's not necessarily as easy as a metro where whatever metro comes by, that's the one you need to get on. Um, so buses are probably my least favorite, but you know, all of these different types of transportation, I definitely recommend trying them once. It's for the experience and, you know, one of my favorite things to say about Vietnam is I rode a crazy bus and I had no idea when I was supposed to get off um, and <laughs> I just kept watching maps me on my phone and was just like making sure I was like just praying that I was going in the right direction. And so like every 10 minutes I'd get on there to make sure I was heading, you know, towards Halong Bay. Uh, and hoping I wasn't veering off in some random direction. Um, so we talked about planes, buses. Next is trains. And trains are a very good form of transportation in country as well. All of these I'm sure you can do, you know, international. Um, but trains in country, I took a train in uh, India from Delhi to Agra. That's probably the best form of transportation there. Uh, and also a sleeper train in Myanmar. All of these I would highly recommend. They're going to be a little bit more expensive than buses probably. Um, but in my opinion, they were, you know, really more convenient um, and easier to figure out. Um, my sleeper train in Myanmar really worked out because the first night, um, there's two beds in each little car. And the first time on the way to Begon, um, I had it by myself. No one else had booked the room. And then on the way back, a group of three, um, the odd man out had booked it with me and he just ended up hanging out with his friends in the other car. So both times I had it by myself, so it was really nice. I could just put all my stuff on one bunk and then lay down and sleep in the other bunk. Um, and so that was really nice. But definitely recommend trains when you have the opportunity. Um, they're quite an experience. The one in India was pretty cool. I sat next to a guy who was in the Indian military, and we just talked and you know chatted the whole time. And luckily he was able to help me out of, okay, here's Agra, you need to get off here because they were just stopping for a split second and people were hopping on or off. Um, so it was a little hectic, but it was it was easier to figure out, in my opinion, than, say, a bus. Uh, finally is your private transfer, or I guess it could be a shared transfer um, if you find someone to share with you. Um, so this could be like a taxi um, or whatever. These, obviously, you should do while you're in, like, a city. Tuk-tuks um, are great. They're super cheap. Um, but as far as private transfers, sometimes it might be your only option. When I was in Sri Lanka, I, I went from Colombo to Siguria, and private transfer was the, you know, the only option that I really found um, to be consistent. Uh, and it was obviously more expensive, but you know, having the AC and just knowing that we're going to one destination, we're not making a lot of stops, it's very consistent. Um, it's, it's a great, it's a great way to travel. It is, you know, definitely going to break the budget a little bit, but 
Uh, once again, just depending on your type of travel that you're doing. Now you can also split private uh, transit if you're kind of going to the same location. Um, a lot of times I recommend doing this say from an airport to a city center. I remember when I was in Laos, I tried to do this and they, they charged a flat rate um, to go into the city uh, in Luang Prabang. And me and this other couple were trying to share a taxi into the city. And let's say it was going to cost like, I don't know, $5 to get there. And our hostels were maybe uh, a quarter of a mile apart. And so we were like, you can drop this guy off on our way, and then you can drop me off, and we can just pay once. And they wouldn't accept it. They were like, no, that's two different stops, and so we're going to charge you double, basically. And so we finally kind of finagled the system so that they dropped us off in the middle of our two locations, and then we walked to our hostels from that central location just so we didn't have to pay like the extra $5 or whatever. Um, so... You know, if you can, especially from the airport, most people are going to sort of the same area as you. Um, I also, I remember I shared a taxi in Kathmandu. Um, you know, Tamil is the backpacker district. And so, you know, there are different, different cities where you can, if you see another backpacker, you know, you're going to be going to the same location. Uh, and so see if you can kind of split that private transfer um, or that taxi and that'll save you a lot of money and it'll be one of the nicer ways to get around um, in that in that location. Uh, all right, so a few other things that I want to talk about about backpacking is souvenirs. Now, I know a lot of people who backpack might not even like getting souvenirs, and that's fine, but I, I recommend getting souvenirs. I mean, I always like to look back on mine just to kind of reminisce, and it kind of just reminds me of my trip. Um, I like to be consistent with what I buy. You know, I don't like a bunch of random knickknacks lying around. I usually try and get some sort of art piece um, just so I have a nice collection to display for my trip. Um, be obviously mindful of what you're buying because you're going to have to pack it in your backpack and take it home with you. Um, so make sure it's something that is easy to store um, and won't you know, be damaged if you're on a long trip. Uh, I also recommend taking a journal or journaling on your phone backpacking there's just so much going on and after you know a week or two you're not going to remember what you did the first couple of days of your trip um, i was fortunate enough to think about starting this you know trend or habit um, on my first trip um, to paris a few years ago and so i've continued along every trip that i've taken and so it's really nice just to be able to look back and sort of reminisce and read about you know what i did each day on my trips um, it's it's pretty cool little reminder of what I've done. Um, and this kind of leads me into um, photo albums. Now, I feel like in the past, you know, you'd take disposable cameras um, and you'd print off pictures and put them in a book, but those are really expensive. My first couple of trips, I did that just because I thought they'd look retro or whatever. Um, but it's like $15 for a camera and then like another 15 to print them off and it's just not really worth it. Um, but what I have found is a photo book, sort of like Shutterfly or something like that, where you can upload your pictures, your digital pictures, and then put them in a book format, and then they print it, and they send it to you. And I've done that for every one of my trips. It's one of the first things I do when I get back, when everything is fresh on my mind. And, you know, after about a month, I get it in the mail, and it's a great sort of reminder of my trip. 
You know, I know for me personally, whenever I return from a trip, I'm usually like just super relieved and excited to be home. There's just so much, even if you don't necessarily recognize it while you're traveling, there's a lot of stress um, and there's just, there's so much going on in an international trip that when you get home, you can kind of just relax, you know what's going on. Um, but then after a few weeks, then you start like being able to truly reminisce on what happened. You get to really just expound on your experiences and you start to really miss um, being on that trip. And so when this photo book comes in after like a few weeks, then, you know, I can really just go through it and enjoy, you know, all the experiences I had and just reminisce on that trip. And it's really great. Um, once again, I do like consistency. So I have, I get the same photo book every single time. So I just have a sort of a collection sitting on my bookshelf. Uh, and so whenever friends or family come, you know, if they want to see some of my trips, I can just pick out the book that they want and they can look through it. Or if I ever want to reminisce on a trip or whatever, um, I can do that. Also, you know, I know this totally goes against sort of the mantra of backpacking, but don't be afraid to splurge every once in a while. Um, I always think back to probably my only regret that I really have from my backpacking trip is the fact that when I was in Sri Lanka, I had the opportunity to go on a elephant safari. And Sri Lanka is one of the best places, you know, to see wild elephants in the world. But it was at the beginning of my trip and it was going to cost like $60 or something like that. And so I didn't do it. And that's the one thing that if I could go back, I would do. Because sure, $60, $60 sounds like a lot at the time. But now that I'm home and, you know, I've had a year and a half to kind of sit on it, there is so much, you know, I would have loved to have gone on that, you know, adventure. And I simply didn't do it because it was going to cost you know, $60, $70. So I know, especially depending on what type of backpacking trip you're going on, you're always trying to save money, do this, do that. But don't be afraid to, you know, spend a couple dollars on that extra hotel room, um, that solo hotel room. Spend a few extra dollars on a nice meal instead of just eating street food or whatever. Um, you know, traveling is all about enjoying your experiences. And if, you know, it takes a couple dollars to... You know, have a random experience of, you know, having a steak in Kathmandu um, or, you know, going on an elephant safari. I mean, that's what makes traveling so fun. And I would much rather have spent an extra $60 and added that to my budget than sort of having that regret years down the road. So don't be afraid to not all the time, but every once in a while, you know, use spend a couple extra dollars. Um, and splurge to enjoy yourself on your vacation uh, and on your trip. Next, do not be afraid to say yes. Take chances um, and you know say yes to some wild experiences. Um, now, obviously, don't say yes to everything, but for the most part, I mean, this is where hostels really come in handy because um, you know there are a lot of times where I'd be at a hostel and I'd be talking to a group of people and. You know, they might say, hey, we found this crazy sunrise spot um, overlooking the temples in Begon. Do you want to go tomorrow? And, you know, it might be midnight and you might be jet lagged and they want to get up at 4 a.m., but just say yes and do it. Um, you know, I think I can probably count on one hand the amount of sunrises that I have willingly gotten up to see while not traveling. But I can't even begin to count the amount of sunrises that I've woken up to see at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to see 
while you know on my trips whether that's the sunrise at Angkor Wat you know a balloon airline uh, a balloon flight in Cappadocia uh, sunrise over the pyramids just whatever it might be sometimes you might be hesitant to say yes or whatever but just do it uh, if it's a cool experience like that um, you can take a nap later go ahead and say yes to most of the crazy experiences that are offered to you um, it'll make your adventure and your trip so much more fun um, I remember you know, when I was in Begon, I arrived at like four in the morning, got off the train, went to my hostel, and it was too early to check in, but the guy at the front told me um, I could go across the street and, and rent an e-bike and go catch the sunrise. So I said, sure, why not? So I went out and do it, had a great time, um, and then around noon, I came back to my hostel, and it was still too early to check in, but it was a great hostel. They had this little room off to the side where you could go and take naps or whatever, um, and so I did. And so I'm not, I'm definitely not saying, you know, don't, don't take naps, you know, go 100%, 100 miles an hour all the time. But I am saying that, you know, sometimes we get kind of comfortable and we, we want to sleep in until 9 or 10 and we want to go to bed early or whatever. But sometimes we have to be a little uncomfortable to experience all the amazing things that this world has to offer. I always, you know, I'm under the mindset of, if this is the only place that I can experience this one thing, then I want to do it. Um, and so, you know, I think back to, and this has nothing to do whatsoever with this backpacking trip, but when I was in Paris um, a few years ago, my very first trip ever, uh, first solo trip, and it was my first night, I was totally jet lagged, I had already had a crazy day, um, and I'm laying in bed at like nine o'clock, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, I'm in Paris, who knows the next time I'll be able to come back here, and it's only nine o'clock and I'm already in bed. Like, I was revving up to get a good night's sleep for the next day, but I was like, I've just, I've gotta get after it. So I literally threw on my shoes and walked down to the Arc de Triomphe and then just sort of explored, you know, Paris at night. And it was amazing and it was a great experience. And I feel like I've really just, since that day, I've really kind of just carried that ideology with me this whole time. And so if I'm ever in a location and, you know, I'm tired or I want to take a nap or I kind of just want to lay around, I think to myself, what am I doing? Like, who knows the next time I'll be in Cambodia? Who knows the next time that I'll be in Turkey? Like, let's get up and sure, I might be tired, but, you know, this crazy adventure that I'm about to have, this cool experience I'm about to have, um, these amazing sights that I'm about to see, Will totally make it all worth it. I can sleep and take a nap later. Um, let's do this right now. So don't be afraid to say yes um, and to take those chances. Um, climb those crazy trails um, that you have to climb under some fences to do and you have to pay off some lady in an alley to you know get access to. Um, do it. You know, you, I, I won't say you won't always regret it. You might sometimes. Um, but that's what the experiences are all about. And you know, that's what makes traveling and backpacking such an adventure. Okay, so for my final suggestion is just to pack light. Pack the essentials. Um, a lot of times, you know, when you travel, you have to pack everything you think you'll need. But when you're backpacking, it's totally different. Because, especially like clothing-wise, you can buy t-shirts in a different country. And then, you know, you're not attached to them, so you can just throw them away. A lot about backpacking is traveling light and just having everything you need in your backpack. 
And it was especially relevant to me on my trip because I was flying everywhere. And so, you know, every three days I had to weigh my bag and it had to be a certain, you know, weight. Um, so there are quite a few things I'm going to suggest packing. Um, and, you know, once again, it all kind of just depends on where you're going and things that you're doing. Um, I was trekking in Nepal for part of my trip. And so I did have to take some like um, longer sleeve clothing and things like that. A lot of which I picked up in Nepal, um, which I recommend doing is picking up, you know, if you only need like a coat for a week, you might just want to pick it up somewhere and then see if you can like sell it back or something like that. Um, so just be smart with what you pack. And so these are some of the things that in my mind are really sort of necessities or, you know, sort of just like tips of things that might um, go a long way on your trip. So clothing wise, um, the first thing I would recommend is wool clothing. So that would be wool socks and wool t-shirts. Now these are kind of expensive uh, to begin with, but wool socks in particular are amazing because although I wore like chacos and sandals for most of my trip, when I did have to wear my hiking boots um, and I needed to wear these socks, um, they're antimicrobial, which means that they never really smell um, and they dry out really quickly. So I had two pairs of wool socks and I would just rotate them every other day on my hike and I would just hang them up at night and they did not necessarily smell the best, but they did not smell as bad as they should have for hiking 100 miles in 10 days. Um, so wool socks are amazing. So are wool t-shirts. The t-shirts didn't hold up as nicely as the socks after you know the eight weeks, one of them started to get like a hole and start unraveling. But those things are amazing because even if you sweat in them, you just hang them up um, that night and by the next day, um, you know, they don't really smell and they're dry. Um, and so really buying, especially the wool shirts, it's just sort of there so that you don't have to wash as often. Um, same with the socks, you know, you can just say wear them two, two or three times before washing instead of having to wash them every single time. Um, and they really dry out quickly. So when you do wash them, they'll be dry the next day. Um, I also recommend taking a hoodie or some sort of pullover no matter where you're going because even if you're traveling to like a really hot place like say India or Sri Lanka, um, you know, you might just want to have the comfort of putting on a hoodie. Um, nights might get a little chilly. So even if you don't think you'll need it, I would recommend taking a hoodie. Um, also a raincoat. Raincoats are very helpful, especially if you are not going to take an umbrella, which I do not recommend. Um, it saves a lot of space and I mean raincoats fold up quite a bit and they do pretty much the same job as an umbrella uh, for the most part so raincoats are the way to go um, sandals you know highly recommend those I do recommend you know taking some closed-toed shoes as well um, but I wore my tacos for like six out of eight weeks and I had a killer tan line um, very proud of that um, but you know sandals are a great way to go but I do recommend taking some closed-toed shoes um, packing wise, pack the sandals, wear the shoes on a plane, um, just weight wise, that's the best way to do it. Um, all right, so this next one is gonna, it's, you might look a little weird, um, but I recommend buying some of those pants that zip off into shorts. Now, you will not necessarily win any, you know, fashion contests wearing these, but they are very convenient simply for the fact, you know, a lot of places in Asia. Um, when you're visiting, say, a temple, you're going to need to cover your knees, which means you're going to have to wear pants. 
And so, you know, if you're wearing shorts all day, you go into a temple, you just put the leg on, zip it up, and you're good to go. Um, you don't have to like go find a place to throw on some pants over your shorts um, or whatever. And honestly, let's be real, you're backpacking in Asia, no one there who's backpacking is gonna win any sort of award for how they look. So, you know, just go for comfort. I got some, I think they were made for like fishing or something, and so they were really lightweight, they dried really quickly, and I wore those a lot of the time just as pants. Um, they weren't very hot. Um, I wore them in Egypt. Um, they were very nice, and I wore them around Asia as well. Now, just for shorts in general, I would recommend board shorts, um, and that's because they dry really quickly. So if you're sweating or if you are in the rain or whatever, you just hang them up, they'll be dry the next day. Um, but also, you can swim in them. So like when I was in Indonesia riding around, um, if I found a place I wanted to go swimming, I could just jump in, swim, and get back on my bike. And within, say, 30, 45 minutes, they were dry. So board shorts are definitely the way to go when it comes to what type of shorts you, know, you should take with you on your trip. Um, so like I already said, shirts, shorts, maybe um, three or four of each. Um, if you need more, you can always buy them there. Um, they're plentiful. Um, socks and underwear, maybe like six pair each. You'll definitely want to wash your underwear every single day. Um, but your socks, especially if you get those wool ones, you can kind of just rotate them um, every other day. Um, that seemed to work, especially with the wool ones, um, for me anyways. Um, uh, so besides clothing, there are a few other things that I'd recommend. Uh, first thing is a microfiber towel. Those are really great. They fold up very small and they dry, you know, overnight. So a lot of hostels don't give you free towels. And so you use your microfiber towel, you hang it up after your shower. Next morning it's dry. You can fold it up, put it back in your backpack and you're good to go. Um, for washing clothes, there are actually some places where they'll wash your clothes for you and you just pay like a little price and they'll, they'll wash them, fold them, everything like that. That's really nice, especially if you're playing, uh, staying in a location for a long amount of time. Um, but if you're not and you need to wash on the go, there are these little packets that have just a small little uh, amount of detergent in them uh, and you just fill up the sink with water um, and you wash your clothes in there with a little pack of detergent and then hang up your clothes. I've also seen a washing bag where it has like these little little nubs inside of the bag um, that sort of like needs your clothes as you wash it. Um, both of those are great options. I, I really think there's nothing special about the detergent. It's just a small little single like use packet of it. So I might even try just like filling up a travel sized bottle full of detergent next time and seeing if that would work. Uh, I think that should be the same concept. Um, also, take portable chargers. You never know when you know the electricity might go out. Um, or I always use them because I'm out all day long, so I might be gone from my hostel or hotel from, you know, eight in the morning to ten at night. And you know, if I'm taking pictures or looking at maps, um, I'm gonna run out of charge on my phone. And so having my portable charger is always a lifesaver. Um, and so I actually take a couple of them um, just so I have multiple ones. Um, I already mentioned taking a journal, um, take a pen or two, um, you never know when you might need them to fill out customs forms, things like that, they'll be very useful. Um, and also books. Now, I took a paper book and then, you know, after about a week, I had finished reading my book and I realized that you can download free books on your phone. 
So that would definitely have saved me some space in my backpack. Um, and so, you know, if you want to take a paper copy, there are some places, especially like on major backpacking routes, where you can kind of like do a trade-in and you can trade your book for another book. Um, so you can do that if you would like to, um, or just download books on your phone. That works great as well. Uh, one thing that is sort of, I don't know if this is a secret hack or not, but I always recommend I would take some Ziploc baggies. Um, and usually like the freezer bags or the Ziploc zipper bags. Um, and these are great for multiple reasons. You can store stuff in them, you can store liquids in them, um, and they're waterproof. So I would always put um, any valuables, um, I would put my passport in them, I would put electronics in them, um, just so if it rained or whatever, it would keep them dry. Um, my passport I'd put in my pocket a lot of the times, and so if I started to like sweat, it would get all sort of like wet and nasty, and so I'd put it in a Ziploc bag to keep it dry. Um, they're just really useful and for multiple reasons. So different sizes of Ziploc bags, I'd recommend taking those. Um, also TSA locks. Um, hopefully you won't have to check your luggage, but in case you do, uh, you have your locks on them. And then also a lot of hostels have lockers, so you can take those bad boys off and use them for your um, lockers in a hostel as well. Um, deck of cards, once again, whether you're just by yourself playing games or if you have a group of people um, and y'all just want to play card games, uh, it's always useful. I use my cards a lot, especially on my trek in Nepal. Um, I learned quite a few new games and I brought them back to the States for my friends and we've all enjoyed playing them. Um, and it's really just cool to you know experience different, different cultures and different sorts of games that you might never have heard of. Um, but that's a lot of fun. It's something that kind of just connects people from all over the world. Headphones, I always recommend taking wired headphones, even if you have Bluetooth ones. Uh, I take both. Um, the wired ones are for like planes, and then sometimes, you know, if your Bluetooth ones die, then you can always use your wired ones too. Um, so both of those are handy. Um, and then two, I always felt like if I was in more of a sketchy place, I'd use the wired ones um, for two reasons. One, if someone stole them, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And two, if someone tried to like steal my phone or something, I would have my headphones in. And so then that would kind of like, I don't know, be a little bit of a deterrent. That would might stop the phone a little bit, give me some time to react. I don't know. It never happened, but just an idea. Um, also, your electric converters. Um, I would recommend getting like the 10-in-1 or whatever, the one that has all the different converters in one. Um, but there are, I, I'm not sure which converter it is, but it's the circle. It's the European style, the circle with the two-prong. Um, usually that one's indented into the wall. And so I know my like 10-in-1 converter doesn't always fit the plug um, because it won't fit into the indention. Um, this last trip to Turkey, I was able to finagle it so that it would work. Um, but I usually try and take my 10-in-1 and then also my um, European converter too. Um, and that, that's guaranteed to work like all the time. Uh, also, one random thing I always take with me is carabiners. There are those little clips that mountain climbers use to clip stuff to their belts and, you know, all their ropes. Um, I always just clip them onto my backpack. I can, you know, you can clip anything on there. You can clip your Chacos to it. You can clip your water bottle to it. You can clip your hat that you're not wearing to it. Um, they're just really useful and you'll, they'll come in handy more often than you would have thought for sure. Um, so I always have a few of those um, clipped to my backpack. Um, I recommend taking your a metal a metal water bottle. 
Um, you, you're barely ever going to be drinking the water, and so just having your metal water bottle filled up with the plastic ones, um, then you're not having to lug around a bunch of plastic trash everywhere you go. Um, flashlights are a must. Um, whether it's a headlamp or just a regular flashlight, you never know when power or electricity is going to go out. Um, if you might need to get up in the middle of the night at a hostel and you don't want to be rude like some people and turn on all the lights. Uh, so definitely recommend flashlights. They'll just be very helpful and I don't think you'll regret having those. Those are That's a must that you need to have. The final thing that I am going to recommend is a great medicine bag. Um, you know, I feel like this is just something essential that everyone should carry along um, during their travels. And so just really quickly, I'm going to run through the things that I've put in mine and recommend that you put in yours. Um, right off the bat, obviously band-aids. What's a medicine bag without band-aids? Um, next is gauze. This is something I didn't originally have in my bag, but then after a little accident in Indonesia, uh, I felt like a gunshot victim going into the nearest convenience store trying to get gauze and stuff like that. Um, so definitely recommend gauze. It'll, you know, cover you up wherever band-aids won't. Um, and then also alcohol wipes. You know, if you're worried about liquids when you're traveling, alcohol wipes are great because they do the great job of, you know, sanitizing, cleansing, stuff like that. Um, and they're individually wrapped and they'll clean all your, you know, scrapes, cuts, things like that. Do a great job. Um, also iodine or disinfectant cream to put on your wounds. Um, whenever you have band-aids as well, it'll keep it clean and sanitized um, and sterile as well. Um, hopefully you won't need any of that stuff, but just in case. And then also vitamins. You know, you might not always be eating as healthy as normal. Um, so if you don't have a chance to eat all your veggies and your fruits, then take a vitamin every day or every other day, and hopefully that'll, you know, help out your system a little bit. Um, ibuprofen, Tylenol kind of goes without saying. And then also some allergy medicines. Even if you don't really have bad allergies, um, you never know when you might come across the path of something that kind of just messes with your sinuses a little bit. Um, so always have some allergy meds uh, on standby. I recommend, you know, carrying for the vitamins, ibuprofen, allergy meds, the boxes, um, or at least cut out part of the box. So um, if TSA is wondering what all these pills are you're carrying around, I've heard that sometimes that can be an issue and that'll just kind of clear things up for you. One little tip is um, whenever you go to the dentist, I always ask for extras of the little toothpaste, um, their travel size, and so, you know, pack a couple of those. It'll be the same amount of toothpaste as a regular tube, and you don't have to worry about, you know, packing it on your carry-on bag. Same with shampoo and, you know, like shower gel, body gel, whatever. Um, you know, if you grab the ones from your hotels, those are usually travel sized, uh, and so you can take them on your carry-on no problem. But if you don't want to worry about liquids at all, take some bar soap. That does the job just as well. And don't forget deodorant. Don't be that guy who, you know, is trying to find themselves in some other country and doesn't, you know, shower or anything. Uh, one last thing really quick is I always like to take the um, dried um, Pedialyte packets that you can mix with water. Um, if I'm ever feeling like dehydrated or something like that, I can put one of those in my water bottle and that'll just give you all the electrolytes and get you rehydrated really quickly. Um, they're not too expensive and I always feel like they do a great job, especially if I'm in a really, you know, hot or humid country where I'm sweating a lot, basically all of Asia. Um, when I was hiking and trekking in Nepal, I would put one in my bottle every morning. Um, and that seemed to really help me, you know, stay hydrated. Um, so with that being said, that's really all I've got for you today. I know it was a lot, but at the same time, I feel like it was very broad. Um, you know, this was, like I said, there's a lot of different types of trips that you can take. 
and there's a ton of different places where you can take a backpacking trip. So, you know, hopefully you got at least a little bit of help from this episode, whether it, you know, helps you with your planning stages, your packing stages, or even your actual trip taking stages. Um, Hopefully, you know, you got a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of help out of this podcast episode today. So uh, I'm really excited the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about my backpacking trip and all the different itineraries and locations that I went to. Um, So really excited to talk to you about that. If you'd like to kind of jump ahead, check out my Instagram at educate your travel to, you know, get some insight into what I did on those trips. Um, And, you know, that's all I got. So remember, it is up to you to make your life interesting. So get up get out, explore the world, take that next adventure. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. Can't wait to catch up with you next time.